On Second Shot, we cover two new stories every week to find out what kind of wisdom the world is dishing out today. And at the heart of every one of these stories are people, just like you and me, who've had to overcome incredible odds, to face the greatest challenges, to struggle and fight back. But now, we're changing it up. In these episodes, we're skipping the headlines and going straight to the people that inspire us to grow, to be bold, seek change, and act courageously when the rest of the world may not. A second look, a second chance, a second shot. This is Second Shot Sit-Downs with your host, Jenny Anchondo. Hey everybody, excited to have you here for a Second Shot Sit-Down and I think that it's just paramount for um, the success of this project and for you all to continually be enhanced to really bring in people from all walks of life to talk about their second shots and and to continue to open up our minds to different perspectives and to hear different stories so that we can be inspired by them. And our guest today is Jenny Doan. She is a wife. She's a mother of seven. She's the founder and this will be familiar to many of you if you're in the in the quilting realm of the Missouri Star Quilt Company and she has built an empire in her hometown. I think that's the really cool part. She did it in her hometown instead of going to New York or, or LA or you know even, even to Dallas. This is now called Quilt Town USA, I think because of her. So she started this company on a shoestring budget 20 years later. It's not just a person to person quilting situation. She has the biggest quilting channel on YouTube and offers a large selection of pre-cut fabrics the largest selection of pre-cut fabrics in the world. And she has this upcoming book called How to Stitch an American Dream. It's coming up next month. Um, and she talks about her personal experiences, her journey to success. And so that's why I wanted to have her on to talk about this perspective, because first of all, I know nothing about quilting and I'm somebody who likes to learn. And, and second of all, I just, I love to hear about somebody building a business and, and not going all over the place and sort of doing it in their own backyard. Welcome, Jenny, good to meet you. Good to meet you too, I'm happy to be here. Let's rewind, let's rewind way back. How'd you get into quilting to begin with? Well, uh, sewing is my thing. So I've always sewn since I was a little, little girl. And um, as you know, as I got older, uh, I would make matching clothing for all my children. I have seven children and they'll only wear matching clothing though until they're about six foot five, then they refuse. Unfortunately. <laughs> but after that, after that I became, I, I was, I've always been involved in musical theater. And so I became their customer and I did customer costumes. And then we moved to Missouri and um, I needed something to sew. So I went right to the theater and the theater only did one show a year. And so we actually, somebody suggested I take a quilting class and hands down, it's been the most creative thing I've ever done. So I started quilting in 1995. Okay, so it started with sewing, then went to quilting. And for people who are listening to this or watching this right now and thinking, quilting? not my thing, came here for a business story. Yes, we're gonna talk about that, but we have to understand this perspective. So then when you got into quilting, was that something that you were like, okay, this is, this is my passion, I'm gonna continue and, and spread the word? Did you have visions of a business or was it more of a personal passion? No, so it was just a personal passion. And then in 2008, um, the market crashed and we lost all of our retirement. Mm. And the kids started mm. worrying about what we were gonna do, you know, as we got older. And how, you know, they didn't, I think they basically didn't want us living in their basement, you know, so. <laughs> With one day matching were, clothes. Right? They were talking about all the things that, um, that we could do, you know, to, uh, to make some of that money back. And I said, well, you guys talk about this. I'm going to go pick up a quilt. And the kids were like, 
well, what cool is it? And I said, you know, I don't remember. It's been there over a year. And Al's like, why has it been there a year? And I said, well, they just get really backed up. They have a lot to do. And he looked at me like you could see the light bulb moment. He goes, could you do this, mom? You know, do you think you could do this? And I said, well, I can sew, so I probably can. And so, um, you know, so they bought me a quilt machine and it was too big for our house. So we had to buy a building. And uh, once you buy a building and the building, by the way, actually costs less than the machine did. But How much once is you a machine? buy it, I have no idea. So these big long arm machines, they're about 12, uh, 12 feet long and, you know, uh, I don't know, four or five feet wide. And, and they are about, so for a regular one, it's probably close to 15 uh, grand, but once they're computerized, they're 30 to 40,000. Oh, wow. So, uh, so we bought a computerized one. And then, um, and, and so, you know, we started quilting and I just practiced on all my quilts and I practiced on my friend's quilts until I felt comfortable enough. And then I just started quilting quilts for people and the kids figured if I could do a couple a week, then I would be able to build our nest egg back up and we'd have something to retire on. Well, so they had a lot of faith in this happening if they invested that much on the front end, considering the whole point was to like not be in debt. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, Alan always says now, he says, if anybody came to me and asked me for a business plan, I would not recommend this one. <laughs> <laughs> How come? Tell me about it. Tell me what happened. Well, just, you know, it's like, I'm going to invest this money in my mom who's going to quilt and it's going to become a big business. I don't think so. You know, I mean, it's just like this whole thing feels like a little miracle to us, you know. So you go from there, you start doing your couple a week and this, this real, I mean, this, you, you've got a lot of second shots from, from what I know from reading about you, but this is an obvious one, right? And, and I think that's so relatable during those years, those 2007, 2008, 2009, um, especially people who were nearing retirement. It's super I mean, gosh, yeah, we I'd, all went through that. And then were you kind of feeling like, gosh, what am I going to do? Was it just the kids who were worried or were you feeling that too? So, so um, I live right in the present, you know, and so I'm happy right where I am. And it doesn't occur to me that one day I won't be able to work. You know, I just think I'm just happy right here. But I have a couple of children who are very, uh, think way into the future and they're planners and they're doers. And it, you know, it just takes all type. So we, um, one of the things that they did is if you have... I I had the privilege to give birth to a computer kid, and you know those kids are. Uh, <laughs> you know those kids. Their your professors will say to you, "Oh my gosh, you did such a good job," and you're thinking to yourself, "I fed him," you know, and then you're also thinking, um, you know, I spent a whole childhood saying, "Get off that computer and go do something," you know. Now we all work for him, but he was the one who. You know, mom, I think that you should go online and do tutorials. And I said, okay, well, what's a tutorial? And he said, well, I want you to teach people how to quilt online. And I said, well, where will people find this? And he said, YouTube. Now, YouTube was one year old when we started. And I said to him, honey, uh, you probably don't want your mom on YouTube. That's where the crazy teenagers put their videos. And he goes, trust me on this, mom. It's going to be our center for learning. And I was just like, Ah, uh, you know, I just couldn't imagine it. So we started um, putting up videos, which led to people, um, you know, following us and learning how to quilt. We started getting letters from people. People wanted to buy the fabrics, so we decided that we had to purchase some fabrics and uh, have fabrics to sell. And it just, it just kind of snowballed and just kept going and going. And so, eventually, our little store was too small for us. You know, we had to buy, we had to move one block over to Main Street. Now our little town is two blocks you know it's just a two block long 
uh, Main Street, and uh, most of the buildings were, they were shuttered and they were boarded up, and um, we got too much fabric, so we bought one of the buildings and put just the Civil War fabric in there. And when we put the Civil War fabric in there, then, um, you know, it was a whole shop designed around that fabric. And then pretty soon we got too much fabric, so we bought another building. And we ended up buying all the buildings that we could get on Main Street. And I think we have 13 fabric-specific shops now. So Hamilton has become a destination for quilters. And I do a video tutorial every single Friday. And so there's lots of information for them to learn how to make things and uh, that sort of thing. And it's just become this, you know, this behemoth. You know, it's not anything any of us expected at all. Was it? Was it? So it was the YouTube channel that drove the business. It wasn't the business that that made you think, oh, well, I already have this business, and so let me teach people. It was like the more you got popular online, people were coming to you for supplies or asking where should I get supplies, and you figured, well, you can come to me. Is that is that how it worked? That's pretty much, but the other thing is, is that because I came to quilting and I've always been a person who um, I see the easiest and quickest way to do something. And so I would, um, I would, I'm able to look at something and figure out, you know, the, the, you know, the, uh, the, the shortcuts, you know, I had this large family and if I couldn't do it in a short amount of time, then it didn't work for me. So I had to figure out all the shortcuts. I didn't know there were rules in quilting. I didn't know that, um, that things had to be done a certain way. And so for me, it was all about, uh, making it quick and easy for people who could do it. And so that was a whole new phenomenon in the quilt industry, you know, cause my mantra has always been finished is better than perfect. And for a long time, quilting has been this, unattainable, perfect thing that you had to work really, really hard to uh, achieve. And so here I came along and I was like, no, if you can sew straight, we're just sewing from here to here. You know, you can do that. You can make a quilt, you know. Oh, that's why you were successful, Jenny. Like, that's it. You know, that, that whole realm, I have to say, I feel like the whole realm of sewing, crafting, probably quilting, even though I know nothing about it, is very intimidating. Unless you grew up with like a, a mom and a grandma and a whole line of people teaching you how to do it, it's it's almost like it's kind of a, a tough entry point for people who think, oh, I might be interested, but you get so intimidated when you go into the craft store, to the fabric store, because people expect you to have a certain level of knowledge. So it seems like you broke down that barrier for people and allowed there to be sort of like a, a lower cost of entry with, with knowledge. Absolutely. And I think for, for what I was doing, you know, I always say, if you sew an hour today, tomorrow, you're an hour better. It's your journey. Be happy where you are because, you know, you're going to keep improving and improving. But it's so true. The other thing that's really cool is that when people learn on YouTube, you can fail in the privacy of your own basement, your own home. You know, you don't have to go out until you feel confident. And there's something to that. You know, there's it's a little intimidating to go take a class. When I first started teaching and traveling to teach, I would have about a half a dozen people who would say, oh, I'm not going to sew here. I'm just going to I'm here to watch the class. And, you know, because they were afraid of making a mistake and YouTube uh, takes that fear out because you can, you know, you can fail in the privacy of your own home until you get good enough that you feel confident and then people will come out and take a class. And so I think those two things combined, you know, um, I mean, I literally there's so much pressure on us to perform and I will have people come up to me just tears saying thank you for 
for making it so I don't have to be perfect. You know, thank you for letting it be okay just how I am. And I think that's huge. I think that's a big, a bigger deal than I realized. I surely didn't realize any of it at the time, to tell you the truth. I just thought I was sewing. <laughs> that's such a beautiful second perspective. My grandmother sewed for us, and um, they're some of our most cherished. She's since passed, but they're some of our most cherished belongings. And she definitely was like a didn't measure, <laughs> you know, didn't, you know, <laughs> was never perfect. It was like something was always a little off, and it always had character, and it was always just beautiful and special. And, and I thought I'd never even met anybody else who did it like that because it was always like a little bit off but a little bit like you knew that was her that made it and it was so incredibly special so I, I, I love that you're sort of spreading that message out to the masses and, and allowing people to learn what it, did did you work outside the home prior to getting into quilting well I was a stay-at-home mom until all my kids were gone you know when you have seven kids you can't afford childcare. <laughs> of course <laughs> not but once they left then I you know I mean, I, I only have a little college, so I didn't, you know, I wasn't able to like go into a career per se, but I worked as an aide at a school and I worked in a, uh, our local um, restaurant here in Hamilton. And, you know, I was able to do some fun things that I could do. Also, I always sewed to make money. Like I would make, take in sewing from the YMCA, you know, uh, and so I would, I would mend and do their repairs and things like that. And so I've always done things on the side but not really uh, full-time. So you never imagined you would become a YouTube star? <laughs> no, no, no. And honestly, people say, oh, you're such a celebrity. And I'm like, no, I'm only famous in one world. And I said, so I'm a so-lebrity, not a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting. And I think with your book, that's going to be expanding. You know, your, your reach is going to be expanding because this is about so much more than um, than sewing or, or than quilting. What do you have to say uh, to people who feel like, you know, gosh, I've, I've raised my kids and I've, you know, I've worked a little bit here and there. There, there might be more left for me to do, but I'm, I'm not sure. Um, you know, what do you say to them about having sort of like a second revival of a career, which you've had? Well, I just had no idea that this was going to happen to me. You know, uh, again, I live right here in the present. And so what I say is, you know, there's, I mean, it doesn't hurt to try. I always do the bottom line. You know, what's the worst that could happen? The worst that can happen is that you fail. And if you fail, you just get back up and try something else, you know? And so to me, it, it's, uh, that whole trying part was never a big deal, but I didn't, I, I can even remember saying to Alan, um, Alan, quilting is a hobby what I've done for the first 50 years of my life felt crucial and important. I was raising a family. So I don't know that I want to do a hobby for the next 50 years of my life, you know, and, and he's like, well, mom, why don't you just give it a try and we'll see where it goes. You know, and I'm like, okay, we can do that. You know? Wow. Well, they really had faith in you based on that first investment. They really did. So when it comes to you, you've got the, the quilting part down, but this is a massive business. Who runs the are you, who runs the business? Can you talk about the day-to-day -day operations and give some examples for people who think, you know, I've got this thing I want to do, but I don't know, like perhaps they're held back by logistics or not knowing, mm -hmm. I don't even know how to get a lease or how to, you know, get a business started. And that's totally where we started. You know, we we were just a little family doing this and um when you know, when we started, I remember Alan saying, you know, that he's coming in and he's going we're going to need a warehouse. I've never built a warehouse. Well, how do I build a warehouse? What do I do? You know, it's so fascinating how, uh, these things roll along. One of the key things for me that I learned, and I'm a worker bee, you know, I'm just working, working. I have a work ethic. I'm there first thing in the morning. I wake up running, you know, I just, I just am 
work. And he said, we're going to need to hire somebody to help us clean. And I said, no, 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 no. I'll come in earlier. I'll stay later. And he said these words to me. And these are life changing because it's about finding your own magic. And I said to him, uh, he's, or he said to me, um, mom, you are worth way more to me creating than you are cleaning. And I never even considered that I should put all my time into something and not do everything. Do you know what I mean? I do. And so, so for, so when he said that, it was just like, oh my gosh, you know? And so when we needed to start hiring people, I had a friend who had Dairy Queens and I asked her how she did it and how she hired. And she says, well, it's really important to find people's magic. And she said, the people who can do this all day long, those are the people I put at my drive-through, you know? And so when we started hiring we really looked for people's magic in what they could do. And to be honest, we have a really small employee pool here in the Midwest and especially in these little towns. And so um, we've, we have found some real diamonds, you know, just amazing people that we've been able to, that have, have grown with the company and do so much more than they ever thought they could do as well. You know, and that's really fun to see. Yeah, I was wondering that, thinking about the population of Hamilton, Missouri, right, right this has to be, a big opportunity for people who live there. It really, it, it is. And it's a poor county. And so a lot of our people have been, um, you know, on had to have help for sometimes generations. And now they can have a job. They have benefits. They don't have to drive to it. You know, they can work right here. But we do employ a lot of people from surrounding towns. And Kansas, we're only an hour from Kansas City. So we have a lot of people from Kansas City come up and work as well. And so... You know, it just, uh, it's pretty amazing. And you were talking earlier about like the running of the company. Early on, we decided that, um, so the two children who bought the machine, they are the owners of the company. And there's a third partner as well, one of Alan's friends. And so those three are the owners of the company. And we own, you know, a tiny bit, but I'm basically the face of the company and we work for them. And so, uh, so we s established a sort of a hierarchy. The children stepped back, um, a year or so ago and we hired a CEO. And so that has also been interesting. Now for me, it's been really good because I am not his mother. And so he views versus, you know, versus, oh, mom will do it, you know? And so that's been really interesting change for me to go through. And it's probably been a good one, I think. <laughs> Interesting. What you what made you come to the conclusion of of doing that? Of deciding, okay, well, I mean, you were working. You're the face of the company, but you're kind of working for your son. Your son's kind of still working for you <laughs> because you are the face of the company, right? So you can say yes and no, and you're you're the one with the secret sauce that's sort of sort of built it all. But there are so many other secret sauces involved. So how did you ultimately come to that decision? Of you mean of me not being an owner of no of the um, of hiring the the external non child CEO. Well, we've all been working on this. This is our we're, we've been doing it for thirteen years now, and uh, and so I think that Alan is an entrepreneur and um, he. He's still involved in the company. He sits on the board. He does all those kind of things. But he wanted to pursue some other things. And so uh, he just decided that, you know, entrepreneurs like to start companies. They don't generally love to run them. And he really is that. That's his personality. He, he has, um, we, as a family, we have like a million ideas every 20 seconds, you know. And so we're like, we should do this. We should do that, you know. And so he, he was wanting to do some other things and get involved in some other areas in the company. And he did. He started, um, he tried to do for watercolor what he did for um, quilting. So he started a company called Let's Make Art. And they are an umbrella company under our big company. 
And he also started a uh, company called One Big Happy Yarn Company because one out of every three quilters crosses over into the other fiber arts. We're knitters, crocheters, or embroiderers. And so he started... Um, he started doing that as well. And so he's got a bunch of ideas up his sleeve and wanted to pursue those. Sarah has remained over the town. So Alan has always been over what happens online. Sarah has always been over what happens in town with our town. And so she has stayed on with that. And five of my seven children um, work for the company full time. One of them, uh, the sixth one works part-time. She writes stories for Block Magazine. And then I have one son who's not involved at all. And he's out, lives out in California. And so, um, you know, I mean, it's just, it's a family thing, but we now have about 400 employees. So it's, it's, it's a big family now. <laughs> wow. How, how does it feel to go from being the person who's, I know you didn't wonder about your retirement because you live in the moment, which is such an enviable trait, but whose family wondered, you know, what's what's going to happen to mom um, to being the person who now provides the employment for the people who wonder what's going to happen to mom? It is very, very surreal. You know, one of the coolest things that happened was when COVID hit, we felt like we had to close our stores down. You know, we didn't, we're a small community. We have a lot of Amish and Mennonite here and, you know, their medical thing is a whole different thing. And so we didn't want, we thought if we had, because we get between a couple of hundred and a thousand people a day coming to Hamilton to visit, we, we didn't want to bring COVID to our community. And so the cool thing was that all those people that worked in town could go out to the warehouse because now the, uh, the business at the warehouse, online business had picked up. Matter of fact, it picked up about 40%. And so, um, so we were able to use them out at the warehouse. And as a matter of fact, we never stopped hiring. And I just think that is a miracle. You know, we became essential because the quilters got to started making masks for everybody and they've made just hundreds of thousands of masks, you know, and so we were able to sell fabric for the mask uh, population as well. And I mean, it was just to me, that's a complete miracle that we never had to lay a person off, you know, or uh, or even, you know, and we never we never quit hiring. That really is a unique story especially in a small community like that with the circumstances. I hadn't thought about that with just different, yeah, medical circumstances and such that really is unique to what you've done. I want to hear about the YouTube production of what you do, about the, the video production of what you do. It's, it's almost like you've got, okay, you've got this quilting company, but you also kind of have a, a production company, right? With um, doing the videos. How did that start out and how has that evolved over the years? So uh, it used to be Alan came in and took the videos and he's six foot seven. So his overhood shot was just like slowly bending at the waist, you know, <laughs> to see the thing. Then my son Jacob took it over and he is much more of a hands-on kind of guy. So he would put the camera, he mounted all the cameras and did all that and, you know, came up with his own system. Nobody was really doing what we'd done. YouTube had a few, um, there was a few quilting videos on there, but it was mostly just people's hands. You know, you'd just see their hands. And so all of a sudden I was on there and I was on there with a personality and people felt, um, they felt comfortable with me because if, if I did it and I made a mistake, I'd be like, oh, well, that doesn't look so good. Let's do this over again, you know? And so I would, you know, I wasn't afraid to be real and, um, I, that was just my personality. And so I just, I just shared it with them and took them in and told them they could do it. And they believed me and, um, started quilting. And so that's, that's been, for me, that's just been the, the whole video thing. We now have a film studio 
and um, we've hired a crew. Uh, we have a we have a nice crew that films. And I used to film like I'd get an idea, and I'd go find some fabric and I'd make it and film it. And we would do kind of do that within a couple of day period. Now I film about six to eight projects at a time, and that enables me to travel. You know, so I can I can go teach other places. And so we film once a month, and we generally film about I don't know six to eight projects, and we film out about. Uh, we're at, so the projects I'm filming now will release in a, in a, about two months. And you're just, so it's about two months. you're primarily the talent and the brains on the project. And now that you have the production company, they do the editing, the posting, the, the write-up, right? I don't do, I didn't do any of that. Yeah, that was always my boys. And now, now we have a team that does that. And so we also, I've also involved my daughter and my daughter-in-law. They each have shows at Missouri Star. So... Um, Misty does a, um, a Facebook Live once a week where she does a project, and Natalie has a show called Final Stitch, and it's the she's you know I'm a little I'm easygoing and kind of goofy and have a you know everything is funny to me, and Natalie is she's like very intelligent, and so she takes what I do and takes it a step further, and she's like, okay, so now that you're doing this, here's how you do this all the time, you know, here's how you get this oh. right all the time. So it teaches, you know, everybody has a different type of brain and we all learn differently. And so for, uh, for me, it, it's fun to hit, hit more people's uh, interest because they're, you know, not everybody learns my way. Sure. But a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot. I feel like, but everybody learns your way now. It looks like everybody's learning your way. It, it's beautiful what you've built and how you've been able to weave in your family's talents. I want to hear about what it was like when the kiddos were little and you were raising them, were you teaching them about things like, like sewing or, you know, I'm just picturing you living in the moment, but the seven kids everywhere and doing their thing and just you're peacefully sewing, or did you bring them into it? How did you continue with that, if at all? So I, um, I actually, so you know how some people clean when they're mad? When I'm mad, sewing is my go-to. You know, it's just my go-to for everything. It's when I'm happy, sad, anxious. It's it's what I go to. And so um, I had to learn to do things in short little snippets of time. You can imagine with a large family. Um, we were in California. We ended up homeschooling our children. And so that became uh, a love. And uh, every time we would go anywhere, we would... Um, you know, I dress them alike so that I could say, if we lost one, I could say, he looks just like that one over there, you know, go find a child that looks like that, you know, but, uh, we had, um, they, they were involved in the sewing. I taught all the girls to sew when they were about 10, 11, 12. And they all, they all sew well. Hillary loves it. She's, um, she does a little bit more advanced things. Like she became a gown maker uh, by trade. Natalie sews just like I do. Sarah made her sewing project and said, well, I'm glad I did this. I hope I never have to do it again in my life. <laughs> <You know? laughs> all the boys have also sewed. Um, they've all made a quilt. You know, We kind of require everybody who works here, they have to actually make a quilt at some point. Uh, because they work for a quilt company. So, you know, we think it's important for them to know what goes into it and, and how they feel about it. So that's just kind of, you know, it, it was all over the place. So I was one of those fun moms too. I could be talked into just about anything if it sounded fun. And uh, so we did a lot. I mean, I'm glad every day my children live to be adults. Can I just say that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> What what do you think is the key to having a, a large family like that and still and having having joy and then also finding this this career success? I know that that happened later, but um, what advice do you have for 
people who are like, oh gosh, I've got a couple kids. I kind of want more, not sure if I can handle it. <laughs> well, once you get beyond three, it doesn't matter if you have how many you have because two, you know, two, you still have two arms. So you can still handle those, but three, you know, three was hard. And so, but once you get beyond three, you have helpers. And so my children were wonderful to help each other. And, um, you know, they were, they now there, I did, ha I did have, um, odd ways about getting them to resolve problems. And so I don't know if odd is the right word. I think maybe fun, but if they wanted to argue, I told them you can argue if you want to, but you have to sing your arguments to each other and, uh, or you have to end every sentence with the word sugar, you know? So they'd say something like, I can't believe you stole my shirt, sugar, you know, <laughs> they laugh. And my children today, they, they ask me all the time, they're like, how did you get us to do that? We did that. And I'm like, I know, you know, and <laughs> I'm like, I know, you just were obedient. You did it. But, you know, oh. I, I, I always tell them, you know, if you can't learn to get along in your living room, how are you going to learn to get along in the world? And I think because we had so little, we had to work really hard for everything. And we worked together. You know, like one summer I wanted, um, we needed a new mixer and I wanted to get a KitchenAid. And they were like $200. And um, at that time, that was like 30 years ago. And, um, and so we worked cleaning houses for a construction crew for, for all summer long till we got our mixer. And then the kid, you know, the kids knew the value of, of their labor and working for something that they wanted. And so I think they've all been really hard workers all their life. And, you know, so I just think those lessons are important, you know? Yeah, I, I do too. I think young kids coming that don't have a great work ethic and it's, it's always interesting because it can be taught, you know, like I remember in the beginning, um, when we first had employees, Alan would say, okay, so you work for me at nine o'clock. So if you want to hang up your coat, you have to come at five till. And if you want to uh, talk to your friends, you have to come at quarter till, you know, you have to have those conversations. You can't just expect everybody's going to know what to do. Right. Oh, that's interesting. So I want to finish up with this. You've been open about your faith and sort of how it's led you and, and guided you through the years. What message do you have for somebody? And I know I'm going kind of like way over, but this was something I'd wanted to touch on. Somebody who struggles with their faith and who's, who's thinking, you know, I think I believe what Jenny believes, but I'm just not totally sure. Do you have any words for them? I just feel like... Um... I just think it's important to remember that you can't teach love through hate. This is a very tumultuous time in our industry. And I have a, I have a granddaughter who um, is real involved in some of the political things. And I told her that I'm so proud of her that she's involved in this, but that she has to remember not to hate the people that are hating because otherwise you would just become a hater. And so uh, I believe you can't teach love through hate. And I just think that it's important that whole kindness um, the kindness, the generosity in our business, you know, people always say to me, you know, I just bought a business. How do I make a success of it? And I'll say the number one reason businesses close, number one, is they're not nice. And I think that's huge because when you go into a shop, we've all been into shops where no, so nobody says hello to us. You feel like they're, you're putting them out if you want to try this on or you're, you know, you're ruining their day if they have to cut your yard of fabric. And I just never wanted to have that business. You know, people can go online so easily and they're always going to go to a brick and mortar first, but it's just important to be nice. And if you can't, you know, and again, that's that magic thing. If you can't be nice, 
then hire somebody who can be nice and you go in the back and do what you're good at, you know? And so I just think for, for businesses and things like that, there's so many options that if you can be kind and you can be generous and you can see the good and the magic in people, I just think that you can't help but be successful. And, uh, you know, for me, that's, that was a huge key. You know, I just, um, you know, there was, I remember one, one point in the beginning, there was a woman and she came in and she was just angry and, um, and my friend came back and we weren't even paying my, our, our friends to work with us. You know, we would give them fabric and she came back and she says, I'm not ever waiting on her again. And I said, well, why don't we try just loving her up and killing her with kindness and see what happens, you know? And, and, um, when she came in, I, I went and talked to her to found out about her, found out, you know, what kind of job she had and what her life was like. And, you know, she became one of our dearest friends. And so it's just so interesting when you take a little minute to, um, to just be kind, to just be kind and realize that, you know, we don't know what's happening in somebody else's life. And there is just so much craziness in our world right now that just about anything could be happening that could bring you down for a day. But if you can, if you can give, share that smile or, you know, put that arm around somebody and, and, uh, love them up a little bit, I think it makes all the difference. Jenny, you're incredible. I can see why you've done so well. I think that's the perfect message to end with. And I so appreciate that that kind of life advice and business advice. So uh, if you guys were like, oh my gosh, who is this woman? I've never heard of her. I know half of you are like, of course I follow it. Half of you are like, oh my gosh, I need more. So it's the Missouri Star Quilt Company and Jenny's going to share so much more in her book. It's actually a memoir. It's called How to Stitch an American Dream. Comes out October 19th. Congratulations on the book. And Jenny, we will link everything up in the episode notes, the show notes and on our website. Thank you again, Jenny, and continued success to you and your family. Thank you so much for having me. It's our pleasure. All right, you guys, if you like the show, leave a rating or review, and we will chat with you soon.